We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. I want to speak to you today from the book of beginnings, Genesis. We're going to start Genesis, the second chapter, verse 8. And the majority of the time we will stay there. All right? But there will be a time when I don't stay there. I'll go off for a little bit, but I will return there. So it's easier for you just to stay there. Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. I'm here to tell you today, you are a garden of Eden. I'm speaking to you about your destiny. I read a post on Facebook, and I'm not sure whether it was what it was exactly or who did it, but... There was an inspiration in this that opened my mind to something, and I began to do research all over again in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It said, your mind is a garden. Your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers, or you can grow seeds. What happens up here determines your destiny, folks. Not this thing that beats. It's up here between your ears. There's the battle. The battle is for your mind, as one author wrote in a book many years ago. So this morning, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to creation. Let's go back and try to understand what God really established. You know, this, this is originally God's design for all of us today. Not just then. Uh, the, the physical garden, the, the, the small area where God placed Adam and Eve is between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. It's, it's in the country of Iraq. Today it's a desert because God is not there. You understand me? This is where God came down to walk with man. God still wants to come down to walk with man. And you are his garden. We're going back to the beginning, back when in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, I dug this scripture out. It hit me so hard. Verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And then if you go on to verse 45, it says, And so it is written, the first man became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bury the image of the heavenly man. The Old Testament is a physical picture of the New Testament spiritual. God takes us from the physical to the spirit. He does it in our tests and trials of life. How many of you have ever had something happen to you in the natural, the physical, and God take you to the spiritual part of it? It's always that way. 
In fact, what God started in the Garden of Eden is still the divine plan for you today. So let's go back. Let's discover the complete picture. First of all, verses 4 and 5 of the second chapter. And I want to point out here that you and I are to continue the work of God that God created. These are the generations of heavens and of the earth. When they were created in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the, before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not man to till the ground. You are a generation of the earth and of heaven. The word generations is interesting because it's in the feminine. Why? Because you are the bride of Christ. I don't want to insult you men. But spiritually, guess what I'm going to say? You're a woman. You're the bride. I've never seen a real, genuine, authentic... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Bride... That wasn't female. And, and what I've discovered in Scripture in the Old Testament as well as the New is that if I look at the gender of the word, I can determine if it's talking about the bride or about something else. This word is talking about the chronological, get me, chronological possession of history in man. It is the generation of one family to another family. This is the beginning of our life in God. You see, we're of the heaven. You are from heaven. Jesus said uh, that the uh, Passion Translation says in Matthew 6.10, Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. Listen to me. God is still trying to bring heaven to earth and he starts that in man. You are heaven brought to earth if you're a believer this morning. And God brought you here to manifest heaven, not the earth. The tragedy today is so many believers are manifesting the earth because of their own understanding instead of manifesting heaven because of the understanding of the Spirit of God. You have a dual citizenship. God breathed into you when you said, Jesus, forgive me, and you are now a child of the kingdom to manifest God on this earth for a propagation, a fulfillment, a continual generation of people who fill the earth. Do you know why God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden? Not because they sinned, but because if they ate of the tree of life, they'd live forever in that state. And God said, I've sent man here to till. You know, when we think of that, that's work. That's serving something. But I discovered, when I go back to the Aramaic root of the word, of the Hebrew word to till, it means to worship and obey God. God put us here to worship and obey. How many of you know to real worship can be work to the physical man? 
See, God put you here to be a worshiper of him so the world would know. You know, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, God, this and oh, God, that. Oh, my God. You know, something happens and they say, oh, my God. So that's their God. They confessed it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, folks, if we read the Scripture, what we say as a believer, we possess. Oh, oh, what's possessing you this morning? What are you confessing is your God? The problem or Him? You see, when that service, service of worship is offered to God, it's not bondage. But it's joyous. You know, uh, Moses said, hey, Pharaoh, we're not going out there unless everything we have goes with us. Because we're going out to worship God. God, give us some people today who will make that declaration. Everything I have belongs to God. You know what they took with them? The product of their life to offer to God. I'm not preaching on tithing, but that's probably tithing. Because they didn't offer everything. They had to have something to live with. But they offered something to God. In fact, when the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, translates the word, the Hebrew word for till, it translates it as laturo, which is worship. The official service of a priest. How many priests do we have here? Huh? We are a kingdom of kings and priests. A kingdom of people with authority and power with God. Now, let me go on. Genesis 2, 6. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. The message says the whole earth was watered by an underground springs. What am I saying to you? The source of life is within you because it was breathed into you. You are a life-giving individual. And God still waters us from inside. What God has for your survival this year cannot be seen by the physical nor determined by the happenings of your life. What God has for you is going to come from inside of you, not outside of you. You know, we North Americans are looking to the outside to survive. But our survival comes from the inside. Truth number two here in this point. You see, your source is not visible to the eyes, but also you possess the source of life for others. The Bible says the whole earth was watered. The Amplified, John 7, 37 says, He who believes in me, who cleaves to trust in, cleaves to and trust in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers continuously, springs and rivers of living water. You have life for somebody else. If you're living the life. I told the class I was teaching this morning, I don't use the word Christian much anymore when I'm talking to people. I use the word believer. Why? Because if they say they're a believer, then I can say, how come you're not living what you believe? 
You know, because Jesus said, many, many say to me, Lord, Lord, but they're not doing what I say. There's a difference. See, the source of life is within you. Let me go on. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. I don't care what mental thoughts and psychology have said. You are the handiwork of God. When it says God formed man, it means to fashion, to shape, to devise. Dear God, why did you devise my wife the way she is? Sometimes I don't understand her. Anybody know what I mean? Sometimes I don't understand myself. And the primary meaning of the word is derived from the idea of cutting something. God cut you out the way you are. And he frames you. He fashioned you from the dust of the ground, from the earth. God put you so you could relate to what's going on here. So he could put within you the kingdom and the power of his spirit. In fact... That word means God squeezed you. How many of you know God's still squeezing you? How many of you have ever had the pressure of battles and struggles? Not knowing how you're going to get through. That's the squeeze of God. He's still shaping you. He's not through shaping you. He put you here and he began to shape you. And he'll shape you until the coming of God. Or you eject this life and go home without me. It's a picture of a potter who forms clay. In fact, the very root of this word comes from something narrow, some distressing situation. God is shaping you out of that pressure, that test you're going through. You think it's something to destroy you. No, it's not. It's something to use you in a new way. So God has producing something in you for a new opportunity of service. But we get upset. Oh, Pastor, you don't know how terrible it is. I've been kind when people said that. I said, really? And I don't care. I don't want to hear. You know, we go tell our neighbors about how terrible life. They see what's going on and we confess to them. Yeah, we're having a terrible time. What's wrong with you? Are you a believer or not? Come on, believer, wake up. You are the creation of God with power and life in you. Let's walk like it. Let's talk like it. And let's be that life on this earth. I'm having fun. You see, the trials and tests of life are not designed by God to be destructive, but as a way of forming us, shaping us to His perfect image. I look at one of the greatest battles in my life. I told the class I taught this morning, I've been fired twice. And I've got a footprint when I was kicked out of a denomination. It's right there. But Jesus found me at the foot of the steps. You understand what I'm saying? And that disaster in my life, fired from the second largest church in town, 
open the doors for the ministry I have today. Listen to me. I pastored till 2002. It wasn't pastoring. It was training for what I'm doing today. At two, in 2002, when I left the church, turned into my son and started to the nations of the world freely, I entered into my destiny. I know that. Because as I look back, every pain, every problem was God's way of forming me for today. Hallelujah. Look, if you're going to clap, clap quick. I don't have time to wait. My message at this point is this. Because the earth contained all it needed to green up, God created man from the dust of that potential. And he keeps us alive because of the earth. He gave us the products of the earth for physical survival. And he breathed into us the soul survival. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, the Amplified, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined. He planned beforehand. Now notice, he planned that we would do those. We have a choice to do them or not do them. Don't mistake that word and take it the wrong direction. For taking us past which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, should walk, the potential to walk in them is there. Living the good life which he had prearranged and made ready for us. You are God's handiwork. Stop listening to that voice that says you're no good. You're listening to the wrong voice. Stop thinking about somebody as being God's little ugly. I made a mistake of thinking that about somebody. And God stopped me. And he said, hey, dummy. He used, he used his pet name for me. Hey, dummy. You don't know what she prays at night. She's the source of life for this church. When the enemy tells you you're no good, how many of you know if he's talking, he's lying? And right. why do you listen? Why do you let all of these psychological things destroy you by listening to the devil? That's what Eve did. That's why they got kicked out. It wasn't all Eve's fault either. Adam had a part of that. Genesis 2.8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. He planted. He planted us. Genesis 2.8. God placed you here. You hear me? God placed you in this church. If God wants you in this church, you can't leave the church. And if you're miserable, get out or get with it. Come on. You know, if if this isn't where you feel comfortable, go where you feel comfortable. Look out. You could be making a mistake. The uncomfortable part of your experience here could be God squeezing you to bring new life out of you. You know, you squeeze a lemon to get the juice out. God may be trying to get the juice out of you. I could preach if I was given a chance. You are planted by God here to bring life from his seed. You are his seed. What life is coming out of you?
God planted you in a garden. That word Eden means delight. It has two potential meanings. It's a masculine noun referring to luxury, pleasure, or a delight. How precious, the psalmist said in Psalm 38, verse 7, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Wow. There's a pleasure in you for God. And God will give you to drink of his pleasures. This, this is speaking, you're, you're, you're one of the enjoyments God gives to this earth. <laughs> it's also a feminine, can be used as a feminine noun. Okay. Indicating sexual delight or ecstasy. Let's take, it refers to the enjoyment of intimate love with one's spouse that creates new seed for the earth. God said, you're my delight. You are my pleasure, and I will put seed in you that will reproduce. Are you reproducing today? Are you reproducing an Adam who's rejecting God, who won't take a stand because somebody else took a different stand? Oh, no, if I take that position, nobody will like me. Who are you more concerned about liking you, God or man? Let you think on that one. God wants you pregnant. Listen, Mary wasn't the only pregnant person. I'm pregnant. You're a man. You can't. Oh, yes, I am. I'm pregnant with the potential God has said I've put in you and the challenge I've given you for your destiny. The question is are you going to give birth to what God has put in you or are you going to have an abortion? The result is going to come out in your obedience. That's right. We are not to walk through this life not having a glimpse of our destiny. Listen, if God put us in his delight and we're part of his delight, then he's going to tell you and he's going to direct you in your future. I can tell you your ministry. Give me 10 minutes with you in every trial you've had and I'll tell you your ministry and the most effective place in this house. Because out of your struggles, when you speak to somebody, you don't speak from something practical. You speak from reality. And that reality of the Spirit is there to communicate what you can't say. And they know this man knows what he's talking about. This woman has experienced this. It's not theory. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? I I want you to get a picture I could spend weeks on this. I've only got 25 pages of notes on this. And I've reduced them to eight. And I better get moving because I'm only on five. And it says God formed. (laughs) This is talking about a state of anxiety, a fear of frustration. Anybody here in one of those states? Then I'm talking to you. But he will shape and devise and put into motion in you what he has for you. Verse 10. Now notice, he's put us in Eden 
And he says, now a river will flow out of Eden to water the garden, the seed that God has put here, and from it parted, it parted and became four river heads. This word heads here, it, it commonly uh, designates the beginning of something. You are the beginning of God's flow to other people. You are the beginning of the power of God moving to the next generation. To the discouraged, the downhearted. Jesus said, he that believeth on me from his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's the garden, folks. If it doesn't flow from this garden where it's created, it'll never touch anybody else's life. There are a lot of preachers running around teaching theory, a lot of people speaking theory. But until it comes out of a reality, it means nothing. Out of your belly, out of the heart of the believer. Where spiritual refreshment comes. Rivers, not one river, but rivers of living water, gushing water. Not a well, but the well that starts flowing and gushes. The final outpouring will only come as Jesus is glorified in his temple. And the Bible says, you are the temple of God. Hmm? And the Spirit of God dwells in you. There is a river to flow from you. What's coming out of you? A pure river or a polluted bunch of garbage? You don't want to drink of the water in the rivers of Peru unless you're up on the mountaintop where nothing body lives above them. They deliver our water and pour it, dump it into a cement tank with all kinds of goodies in it. And not the kind you'd want for soup. The kind that will put you in the hospital very quick. So they throw bleach in it to kill that stuff. You get enough bleach in that and it'll kill you. So we have to have a purifier. Listen to me. Your heart is the place where God wants to purify you when he comes down to walk with you. And you that have been in Peru know your wa- our water didn't make you sick. Right? Come on, ladies. Say yes. From there it parted and became four river heads. Four is the number of completion, completion of the new creation. From you, God's going to complete his creation. It marks that which follows the revelation of God in the Trinity. After the Trinity, the number three, his creative works take place in us. The name of the first is Pishon, verse 11 and 12. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havila, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and the onyx stone is there. Let me me help you out to understand this scripture. God challenged me several months ago to stop preaching sermons and just explain his word, so here it comes. I'm being obedient. The number one, first, is the number of God. This is God-oriented. It has the concept of unity or integrity. When God flows from us, it's unity that should be the result. The word pisan means increase. Oh, what God flows from us is going to increase if we let it flow through us to the land of a villa, the circle. And that means those people that suffer pain. Whoa. 
from you is a river that will minister to those in pain, in distress. And the Bible says where there is gold. I bought this ring in Israel, I don't know, 20 some years ago or longer than that now. Back in 1987, I think. That's a long time ago, wasn't it? And if I wanted to know the quality of it, I would take it to a jeweler. And he would do this to it. He'd pick out a rock, and he'd hit my ring with a rock. And then he'd pour chemicals on it. What's that idiot trying to do? Destroy my ring? No. He's getting ready to tell me how much gold is there. So when you're going through tests and trials... And God strikes you with something in the life. And you don't understand it. Rejoice. Because he's just getting ready to show you how much the quality of God is in you. Or how much isn't. That's why the Bible says rejoice when you have trials. Why? God's getting ready to show you something about you. Not about your neighbor. Not about the person you think caused it, but about you and your response to that situation. You see, it does no good for the gold to be in us and hidden. It has to be mined. God, the holy prospector, digs within our lives to bring the gold out into the light of his presence so he can magnify himself before the world. So they can see by the test and the trial in our life what God has done to change us and give us life in the midst of what is not good. Child of God, there's gold in you and it will be tested. I just want you to know it's there. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.7 that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ in you, it doesn't have to wait till the end time, but it needs to come out here so the world will see the Christ that we serve. Hallelujah. And it has bedellum. Well, let me see if I can speed this one up. That's an aromatic resin. In Numbers 11.7, it says that mander was like the coriander seed and its color like the core color of bedellum. Well, when I researched that, he's talking about a pearl. He's talking about the mucus that comes around something that gets into a pearl and it puts that mucus around it and changes it into a pearl. Listen, let me tell you something. When something bad gets in your life, begin to rejoice. God's getting ready to produce a pearl in you. It's a manifestation of the pearl of great price that caused that man to sell everything he had and buy that field. Are you with me? Are you with me? Look at your neighbor if they're asleep. Slap them gently with a kiss, will you? Manna resembles that. Manna. God's got a spiritual food for us. If we receive what he has for us, what he's doing in us, it will produce something that will cause us to live in the desert. And it will be whatever we need because manna means whatever you call it, it is. So if you call it something bad, it's bad. If you call it something good from God, it's good. Hmm? I know I'm causing your brain to be stretched, but it's all right. Like the onyx stone. Ah, that was the stone on the breastplate of the high priest. Oh, think about it. 
on the breastplate of our high priest. He carries the sign of a pearl, the onyx stone, that he's making in our life to present us before the Father. How many of you know that Jesus said, you're going to have life and suffering just like me? Why? So Jesus can say, hey, I died for the world. I died for this person. And look how this person has died to their own flesh. So they can serve me. When you nurture that fleshly thing, you're not dying to Christ. Verse 13, in the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Two is the matter is determined by God. Where God places you and where he causes your river to flow is determined by him. Do you hear me? Dear God, hurry up. The word Gihon means bursting forth. It's the valley of grace. God will cause to flow from you the water of life that will bring grace in the valleys of other people. Hallelujah. How many of you know that good stuff doesn't grow on the top of the mountain? Oh, I want to go from mountain to mountain. No, wait a minute. From this mountain to that mountain, there's a valley in between. And all the good stuff grows in the valley. So quit complaining that you're not having that joyous mountaintop experience. God didn't say you'd have that. He said, I'd walk with you, yea, through the valley of the shadow of death. And he said, this flows around you. There's grace moving around us. And it'll burst forth onto others because of your increase. It'll get to the place you can't contain that grace. And it'll flow to others. Genesis 2.14. The name of the third river is Hittigel. It is the one which flows toward the east of Assyria. Three, the number of the fullness of God. God says, when I get their fullness there, there'll be a river. A divine perfection of completion. The word hitical, or as it's called today, means rapid. There's fast-moving waters or pure waters. Slow waters you don't want to drink. Give me a brook that babbles, and I'll drink from it because it's pure. And where there's pure water, there is health. And where there is health, there is fruitfulness. We have been ordained. John fifteen sixteen to be fruitful. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Child of God, there's a river flowing into you from God, the source, and there's rivers coming out of you to other people. You are a river of God flowing through you. You are life. You have the source of life. Are you a believer? Let me see your hands. If a person has done raise their hand, maybe you want to pray for them. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previously moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. You are a new garden today. You are the delight of the creation of God. If I look proud, I am. I'm God's creation. Sometimes my wife wonders, but I still am. Are you with me? 
Let's wrap this up. You are the delight in God's new creation. In you is a source of life that is to flow to the nations of the world. It said these four rivers flow to the nations of the world. You know what's interesting to me, and I can't prove it, but it's interesting theory in any way. Some of the Jewish scholars teach that those four rivers are the four major streams in the oceans of the world. I could buy that. I won't argue it, but I can buy it some. See, the command for the new creation is the same as the original creation. Where is it repeated? Acts 1.8, same as Genesis. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on, when God has breathed in you, you shall be witnesses to me. Be, not do. There's a big difference. A lot of people only want to do, not be. And in all, in Jerusalem, at the church, where you live, in all Judea, the surrounding state, in Samaria, yeah, the rest of the United States, and to the end of the world. Do you know what? The world is right here in this city. Jerusalem is here. Judea is here. Samaria, the mixed people, are here in this city. And there are people from all over the world here. And God put you here to reach those people. We need an outbreak of the power and the moving of God in this house. That will change us and we'll divorce our culture that's holding us back. And move out into the fullness of the power of the spirit of the culture of God. The message of Genesis 1-8 says, God bless them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Genesis 2-15, the Amplified says, to tend and guard and keep it. A second Adam came into that garden, this world. A second Adam. I'm part of the second Adam. I'm no longer a part of the first Adam. And I don't want the church to be like the first church. First female. Are you with me? Because where the church goes, we all go. There's a river to flow from us to this world. From Eden, from the delight of God that's in you. Child of God, listen to me this morning. Pastor Steve, Pastor Yvonne, God divinely put me in relationship with you guys. And with this house for his work here and abroad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, There's so much I'd like to say. Holy Spirit, help me. God's getting ready to change and shake some things in this house. Why do you shake clothes before you put them in a washer to find out what's in them that shouldn't be there? Ooh. How come you said that to me, Lord? So that we'll preserve things that don't need to be destroyed in the washing machine. When God cleanses us, there are some things that are good. Are you with me? 
How many of you understand what God's getting ready to do? Would you stand, please? Holy Spirit, this is your house. I'm your house. These people are your house individually, and together we are the house of God. You have planted this house in this city to be a lighthouse to the nations of the world. And you have planted people in this house who teach nations of this world. Father, we're very free to teach them many things that'll educate them. But the only education that's going to save them is Jesus loves you. And he will help you with your difficulties and your problems. This is what he did for me. Share your testimony. You see, the Bible says we are to preach. It doesn't mean be a pastor. It means share the good news of Jesus Christ that's happened in, in and through your life. Father, bless this house today. And I commit them to you and ask for your divine power. Father, if there's somebody here that's not a believer, speak to them now and help them say, Jesus, make me a garden of Eden out of which you can flow. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me today. Wash me that I shall be whiter, whiter than snow. Father, if there's somebody here in this house today who's struggling with life, they're the Garden of Eden. They're your delight. You're getting ready to do something great through their life. Help them to recognize and accept it and move on with the work that you're doing within them today. I bless them today. And I ask you to minister to these people in Jesus' name. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 